the media landscape in America is busted. Americans are on to the omissions, the half-truths, and the outright lies being propagated against we, the people. Your host, Tom Harris, will bring you the other side of the story. We have seen that wind power is costly, ineffective, and unable to generate the power we need for our society. However, there are other consequences of wind turbine use that have proven to be just as severe. Those living near intermittent industrial wind turbines, it's important we call them that because that's what they are, uh, they not only experience a significant loss in property value, but often develop serious health problems as well. The incessant cyclical noise, light flickering, and infrasound, which is sound waves below the humans, below the level at which humans can hear, these can cause serious health problems for those living close to the turbines. Proper studies on these adverse effects related to children specifically haven't been conducted properly, yet the courts have turned a blind eye to problems caused by the installation and operation of the turbines. My guest today is Shelley Correa, an activist who's been fighting against the wind power industry's overreach into her community for the past decade. Shelley's son, Joey, has sensory processing disorder, making it critical that he live in an environment free from excessive noise. At their home in the countryside of West Lincoln, Ontario, they didn't expect to have any issues. But despite the objections of local residents, wind developers received approval to install no less than, believe it or not, 77 3-megawatt industrial wind turbines, each 602 feet high. That's four times taller than the Statue of Liberty. Shelley joined groups to fight the project, organized protests, appeared on radio shows, met with the wind turbine industry, the Ontario Premier, and other politicians, and even started her own group, Mothers Against Wind Turbines, and we'll link to that under the podcast when it goes up on Monday. Despite the cancellation of Ontario's Green Energy Act, which was the act that drove the approval of the turbines near Shelley's house in the first place, the current premier, Doug Ford, has done nothing to remove them. And that despite the fact that he said when he was running to be conservative leader, quote, I'm dead against these turbines. And, quote, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we get rid of them. Ah, you can't trust a politician what they say, can you, Shelley? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, well, well, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, Thank you for having well, me. it's a sad story, but it's an important one for people to hear because people who are just in the early stages before the turbines are actually starting to be constructed, they should know what happens. And uh, during our interview today, I'm hoping you can give them some advice, actually. But let's talk a little bit about the West Lincoln wind turbine project and why was it so devastating? Um, I think one of the reasons why is because it was put into our community with absolutely uh, no way of us refusing or being able to have any input whatsoever that would stick. We mm. were allowed to talk and tell how upset we were about the project and we were allowed to uh, air our concerns, but they met on uh, deaf ears. Nobody yeah. was really listening to our concerns as far as doing anything about them. They just wanted to say that they had given us the opportunity to air our grievances. Mm, and our grievances for them. were then thrown in the trash. Yeah. And didn't Kathleen Wynne say she wouldn't? She was the previous premier. Wouldn't, didn't she say she wouldn't put them up near your house? That's right. Actually, before Kathleen Wynne was even elected as premier, 
Uh, I had the opportunity to meet with her and discuss the situation, give her the letter from Joey's doctor, all the documents that I had collected on the adverse effects of wind turbines. And she said that she was going to do everything that she could to stop these things. And uh, if she was elected, that, uh, of course, everything would be fine. <laughs> and uh, much to my disappointment, when she was elected, she was the biggest cheerleader for the uh, industrial wind turbines. She put Dalton McGinty to shame. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I understand when a Conservative member of Parliament got up and actually member of provincial par parliament got up and actually asked her about the impact on local neighbors she just went on and on about clean energy she didn't really Absolutely. answer did she she mm -hmm. really didn't care about what it did to the neighbors uh, mm -hmm. her opinions were that this was good for the greater good and society uh, was going to benefit by the wind turbines and the people that lived in lived in the rural areas were going to have to learn to live with it Hmm. Well, you know, this is one of the reasons why I'm unhappy with some of the practical uh, people who are fighting against wind turbines because they are usually afraid to bring up the fact that the, the reason for the wind turbines, the climate scare, is not founded. I mean, do you find that people in the wind turbine, anti-wind turbine sector, are they afraid to bring up the fact that there is no climate crisis? <laughs> I think the reason they're afraid is because the government has pushed this down people's throats, just like they did with COVID. If you don't go along with everything that they say, you're tarred with a, a, a brush that makes people look down on you. So they yeah. want to get people to go along with um, stopping the wind turbines. So they say it's going to cost you too much money. It's not beneficial for the environment. Uh, they have all these different reasons, but they don't want to say that we really don't need wind turbines. The energy is not reliable. It's not affordable. And there is no climate crisis. Yeah. And there's yeah. been so many people now saying that, but the problem is, and we knew this 10 years ago, this is the globalist agenda. They want the climate crisis to frighten people. Just like they wanted COVID to frighten people. Yeah, so. yeah. So, so did Kathleen Wynne supposedly, I don't know if she ever really supported you, but did she bow down to the climate people and the wind turbine promoters? Why was that? I mean, I, I find at the federal level, one of the reasons is that the deep state, you know, the people who are not in the front, the people who are communications experts and strategy experts, let's say, within the Conservative Party, they actually are telling their politicians, do not contest the climate scare at any cost, that they are just, in many ways, they're not conservative at all. Do you think Kathleen Wynne was told by her advisors, no, no, you cannot contest the climate scare? Absolutely. And I think Dalton McGinty was one of the big ones. Yeah. And uh, that fellow that uh, is now with uh, Trudeau, Gillibo, uh, he is yeah. also <laughs> one of the ones that was good friends with Kathleen Wynne and told her that she was to uh, promote the climate uh, scare and oh. to promote green energy and all of the things that they were pushing on us. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter who it was going to hurt. So we knew that it wasn't really about the climate. If the climate mm -hmm. was going to hurt people, why didn't it matter if the green energy was going to hurt people? Mm. So it's a matter of judging 
which one hurts the least number of people. If you were advising uh, anti-wind turbine people, would you suggest that they should bring up the fact that these turbines aren't even necessary because there's no climate scare? When you look back, would you advise people to bring that up? I would, definitely. Um, I think that probably is one of the reasons why I got into it is because I wanted the truth to come out in all areas of it. Mm -hmm. I wanted the truth to be known about how inefficient they were, how unreliable they were, how unaffordable they were, how mm -hmm. there was no need for them in the first place, mm -hmm. how we had Big Becky in Niagara Falls that we paid millions and millions of dollars for that was going to sit idle because these wind turbines were going to get first to the grid access. Right. We had to pay for the most expensive, most unreliable energy before anything else. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy. So when you look out your back window or your front window, whatever, what do you see right now? Because these turbines were put 550 meters from your house in one case, which I guess is the closest it can come uh, by law. Isn't that correct? That's correct. And I can see it right now. Oh, wow. Is it turning? Uh, oh, yes, it is. And I can, okay. always, <laughs> I can always tell the wind direction and I can tell how windy it is just by the speed of the blades and the direction the turbine's facing yeah I'd, I'd rather so check you... the weather network <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so when you walk out your backyard do you hear anything yes if if it's facing in my direction at all I hear it's just like a, a jet engine wow it's like a plane that's going to land but over uh -huh. and over again it never lands it just whoosh whoosh and it's that hum constant hum yeah and yeah. it can I know why they call it annoying. Yeah, That's putting it mildly. It sort of sounds like Chinese water torture. I mean, do you find exactly. at times that, that you just want to ah, wear earplugs all day? <laughs> yeah, well, basically, you don't go outside that much if it's if it's loud. You, you wow. avoid it. And that's yeah. sad because that's why we live in a rural community. We enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, and I think you moved to Lincoln County, didn't you? Because it was rural. So the From joy Hamilton. would have... Yeah, oh, from Hamilton. Yeah, it's an industrial area for our American listeners. So yeah. I understand that he is perhaps more sensitive to these kinds of sounds than other people because of his disorder. And uh, so you had to move his bedroom and you had to send him to a faraway school. And what else? Like, yeah. and you can tell us, tell us about Joey's reaction and what you had to do because the turbines just went up anyway. Well, Joey, at that age, he didn't quite understand what it was all about. And then when we were able to go to the doctors and talk to the doctor about the situation, what was going on and get the letter, and I was able to start uh, advocating on his behalf, he started to understand more. He couldn't believe that the government wasn't just going to help us. Mm. And mm -hmm. that was Joey's first foray into the government is not necessarily on our side. Yeah. And I have some nice pictures of him actually at your anti-wind turbine protest. So it looks like you got a few other people to actually work with you. Oh, yes. There was quite a few people in the community that were fighting. I wasn't the only one that was fighting for their family. Um, there was quite a few people in the community that had children they were concerned about because the local school had basically a horseshoe of wind turbines that were going to be around the school. Oh, so wow. They were saying not only are our children going to be subjected to it all day, when they go to school, they're going to be subjected to it. So they have it all day, all night. 
Mm-hmm. And I understand it's not just the audible sound. It's something called infrasound, which is fr- sound below the spectrum, below the frequency at which humans can hear. And that that low frequency really bothers some people, right? Yes, exactly. And the, the scary thing about it is they refuse to even acknowledge infrasound. They mm-hmm. will talk about the audible noise. They will talk about annoyance. Uh, they will talk about things that you can do. Uh, you can talk to the wind company about helping you get thicker windows or, or oh. <laughs> things yeah. to absorb the sound. Uh, but they will not talk about the infrasound because they know there is no way that they can mitigate the infrasound. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult for us to prove damages. So they're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Wow. Yeah. Can I sing you my little wind turbine song? I'm a bit of a cornball. So I actually made up a funny song because I think it's it's important for people to mock these things, too, and to make fun of them. Because, you know, it's it's a serious issue. But at the same time, it does tend to summarize this song. Dalton McGinty, who was our previous premier. Had a wind farm. How much do we owe? A million bucks here, a billion bucks there. A kill a bird, kill a bat, merely for a kilowatt. A thump, thump here, a wump, wump there. Infrasound through the wall, louder than a wrecking ball. Dalton McGinty had a wind farm. How much do we owe? You know, this whole thing is is crazy because they keep talking the left wing they keep talking about how they have social justice you know they they want things to be fair for people but it's exactly the opposite i mean wind turbines not only are they a problem when you live near them but they're a problem when you make them because they get you know the cobalt and rare materials from developing countries that have horrible human rights issues you know they they kill as i said in my song million <laughs> kill a bat, kill a bat, kill a bird, <laughs> merely for a kilowatt. And it's only a sometimes kilowatt, isn't it? Because when there's no wind, they just sit there, right? That's correct. That's the only time that they're safe for the birds and bats as well, when they're yeah. not moving. And I understand that the bats die at twice the rate of the birds, because they don't only die when they're hit by a blade. If they go in the low pressure zone behind the blade, apparently their lungs burst and they drown in their own blood. I have a friend who's a bat expert. I'm no fan of bats, but he loves bats and he has them in his own sanctuary. And of course, he points out they're really important to us because they eat so many mosquitoes. But he says that there's some species of bats in Ontario that are being driven to extinction because of wind turbines. And, and, you know, they have thousands of them across the province, don't they? They absolutely do. And the funny thing is you don't hear about any of this from the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. All you hear is positive things about wind, wind turbines. Even when we were fighting the wind turbines and I had all kinds of documentation, they were very particular about what they were willing to say. They were willing to tell that we were fighting the wind turbines, but they weren't willing to choose a side and they weren't willing to tell any of the really, uh, the nasty details such as the doctor's letter or anything that could, uh, could really stir up trouble. So um, let's go, careful. let's go in. Yeah, let's go into what you did with that doctor's letter. Like you didn't just receive it. You actually testified before a tribunal, didn't you? Absolutely. I gave that letter to everybody that was willing to listen or read it. Uh, anyone that I thought had any sort of power or ability to help me in any way. I shared that letter all over the internet. That letter mm-hmm. is basically in the public domain. Mm -hmm. And you testified before a tribunal. What did you tell them? 
I told them everything about Joey's situation, what I had done to fight it, um, the implications of having a wind turbine that close to my son with sensory processing issues, uh, everything that I could think of. And mm -hmm. they said they would uh, um, see what they could do to help me. And that was it. I never heard from them again. Wow. And Doug Ford, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to put under the podcast when it goes up on Monday, uh, a two minute video or sorry, two minute audio, which actually shows how he said he was going to, quote, end the turbines. We're going to get rid of this and all that. But did he do that when he became premier? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'm actually embarrassed to admit that I helped campaign for him on the basis that he was going to help us. Uh, along with some other people in my community, um, we thought that we were genuinely going to be out of the woods because Doug was coming in, the liberals were going out, and, and this would solve the problems. But uh, apparently there was a lot more uh, talk than action. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I will say is that he did get rid of the Green Energy Act, and I'm sure there were some communities that benefited by it, but nothing was done to help those who had already... Uh, had the wind turbines inflicted upon their communities. And that was something that was very sad. Yeah. And I understand there are elements of the Green Energy Act that were just moved over into the Electricity Act. That's so that, it. and, and I, I cannot tell, you know, one of the contacts that, uh, that you've shared with me actually over the years, she sent me the, the new Electricity Act amendment. And it's very difficult to tell if the province still has the authority to override the local communities when they are considered unwilling hosts. Okay, and there's a list of like 90 of them, 90 communities across Ontario, who have decided by their councils that they are unwilling hosts for wind turbines. Now, does that really have any impact or do you think the government does what they want anyway? I think they do what they want anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that um, they just like when they came for the tribunal, they will listen to your story. They will give you sympathy, a pat on the back and nothing <laughs> will be done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, this has to be more and more publicized, I think, because right now I was reading there's about a third of a million industrial wind turbines across the world. The expert I was interviewing last week, he pointed out that the wind turbines take energy out of the wind. I mean, that's how they get the energy to turn. And so what happens is in a local vicinity in the summer, when you want to have wind as a cooling agent, convective cooling, you're going to get less of that. So it'll actually increase warming in regional areas that have a lot of wind turbines. So it doesn't sound to me like this is a very sensible solution to quote climate change amelioration, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I have heard that it actually affects the climate locally the mm -hmm. uh, wind turbines so yeah. yeah that's that's something that uh, they're aware of and none of that seems to matter because there are people that are making a lot of money on these wind turbines oh yeah now that i think is a major driver here isn't it absolutely yeah and they don't ever talk about the uh, energy that they use to run the wind turbines uh, mm -hmm. those things don't just start up with the wind uh, it takes a lot of power a lot of electricity <laughs> to run the wind turbines oh is that right i didn't know that so yeah. so they don't start it from zero when the wind is blowing they actually have to get it going first exactly wow, and they, wow. yes they have to be able to uh, monitor them they have to be able to uh, put the brakes on and control them there's a lot of electricity used in operating a wind turbine 
And I understand even if the wind is too strong, they have to feather the blades or they'll break, right? Yeah, feather them. And sometimes they actually have to stop them if it's if it's severe enough. Wow. So can you give us some idea how big are the blades? Um, I've seen them compared to uh, 747 jet airplane. Oh, is that right? I was reading they weigh eight tons. Yeah, they're massive. They're yeah. massive. If you and, stood and, beside one, it, it you would be dwarfed. Well, and I know that's why they should be called in industrial wind turbines. These are really industrial scale machines, aren't they? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Heavy industry, not mm. just something that you'd find at Stelco. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you were actually living there when they built it. And it, isn't there quite a lot of disruption when they build these oh, two? It was terrible. It, it was terrible to live in a community that was uh, under that kind of construction. The roads mm. were all blocked off at various points. The uh, the dirt, the gravel, uh, the noise, the dust, it was, it was unbearable. There was a woman actually on Highway 20 a, a couple miles from here that had it so bad, um, the dust came into their place and made some of them sick and they ended up having to sue the wind company and they won their case. Oh, well, that's good. So, and also I understand one of your neighbors left because of the turbines. So they, they couldn't cope at all. It was just too hard on their health. Several families left, not oh, just one. Right? And they yeah. were families that had fought as hard as they could because they knew that, you know, it was going to be difficult for them. And when they lost, they just gave up and put the house up for sale. And one of them moved to Windsor and one of them, uh, I think, moved way up north. Mm -hmm. And then there was another uh, Dutch family that moved down to Grimsby because they knew that they weren't going to have wind turbines in a, a larger community. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, a Dutch family, when they're the, the home of wind turbines. You know, they say that when you walk across Holland, you do not lose sight of a wind turbine in crossing the entire country. Yeah. You know, so they've really, you know, cursed their own residents. So can you describe the symptoms? Uh, do they actually have a name? Is it called wind turbine syndrome or, or is there some sort of a name for it? I, I think that's, as far as I know, that's what they've called it. But uh, mm -hmm. most people just say, you know, the ill effects that they're suffering from wind turbines. And uh, um, there's... Like, do, they get, do they get headaches? Do they get headaches or what happens? Yes, I was just going to say, they there's all kinds of things from headaches to um, stress, uh, teeth clenching, inability to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different things that people are complaining about. And then there's other people that say that they cause things like heart palpitations and uh, much more serious things. But yeah. uh, I can't say firsthand that I know anybody that suffered from that. But I do know there was quite a few people in the uh, area that said that they just couldn't handle it. And, mm -hmm. and that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they had it's interesting. And yet I see these scientific papers, you know, done by PhDs that say, oh, the infrasound causes no effect, you know, and the audible sound, ah, oh, people can get used to it. So that isn't real, is it, when it comes to the on-the-ground experience that you and others have? I can honestly say that they are neither safe nor effective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I understand that when they eventually wear out, and they wear out pretty quickly, 15 years, maybe 20 if they're lucky, that those blades, do they decompose? Absolutely not. Uh, they're mainly fiberglass. So oh, you know wow. how long fiberglass lasts. 
Yeah. yeah. There's so no way to recycle it. As far as I know, they still haven't come up with a, a feasible way to recycle them. So, uh, no, they bury them as far as I know right now. That's the brilliant idea. They take these things that are massively huge and they bury them. Yeah. And I understand one thing that's buried is this massive concrete base. My my expert last week was saying that the base of these turbines is as big as a house and they only have to take off the top layer and they leave all that concrete in the ground, which would make it a dead space, wouldn't it? Not only a dead space, all that concrete is leaching into the ground, which is prime farmland. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so a good your point. Your soybeans and your corn and your wheat are mm -hmm. all growing around this concrete base that's embedded into the ground. And over the years, it's going to break down and all of that chemical is going to leach into the soil, but we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So so you've met with Kathleen Wynne and she promised and then broke her promise. Did you ever meet with Doug Ford? Yes, I did several times and he did oh. the same thing. Yeah, It's wow. almost like politicians make a habit of that. Well, it's, it's sort of funny. <laughs> I don't I think in many cases they've never seen a parade they don't want to lead. Even if the two parades that they change, you know, they're going in the opposite direction because they just simply want to agree with everybody. And so exactly. when I when I ask politicians questions, I'm very careful to not tell them my position. And uh, you know, because otherwise they'll just echo it back to you, you know. That's so a brilliant you, idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you met um Stephen Harper too, didn't you? Yes, I've met Stephen Harper as well. Does he know about what your feelings about wind turbines? Um, of course, it's not, not so a much. federal. I'm just going to say not so much because it was a federal issue, so I didn't really discuss it with him. But mm -hmm. uh, had I thought he had any sort of power or influence, I definitely would have. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got to get rid of some of these people. But, you know, are there other conservatives that are potential premiers, do you think, who would support you and would get rid of the turbines? Because that's what's needed, right? It's not just not building new ones, which he's actually canceled quite a few, Doug Ford. But you also have to get rid of the current ones. Do you think exactly. there's any, you know, of any conservative MPs who would have the courage to do that? Um, not offhand. I can't really say uh if there is any that would have the courage to stand out above the crowd i'm not sure yeah i think one of the only ways we're going to finally get rid of wind turbines is because of financial reasons uh-huh uh-huh and I, I hate to say that but i think they're just going to realize that the energy is unaffordable and when people can't afford groceries and a roof over their head they're not going to go along with fancy uh wind turbines when they could have uh, well, also, gas. Yeah, for sure. Also, relying on wind turbines is a huge problem. You remember in Texas in February 2021, Texas was getting more than half of their electricity from wind a little before a cold snap hit. And then the wind died and they got, oh, man, it was the coldest they'd been in about 30 years. And suddenly they lost within a few hours, they lost half of all their electricity. Natural gas quadrupled and it couldn't keep up. And I don't know if you're aware, but up to 700 people died in Texas. And this wow. was largely, yeah, this was largely caused $200 billion in damages. And this was largely caused by their over-reliance on wind power, you know? So, um, yeah, that jet engine I can hear in the background, <laughs> there's a plane going over. That's not being run by wind power, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were at my place, you'd have to guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and you'd be getting that sound... <laughs> 
all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Intermittent yes. and ending. I'll bet you there's some days where you probably do wear earplugs, right? Um, not so much, but I do shut the windows and turn the radio on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after we, we have to go for a break now, but after the break, maybe we can talk about why it's important for citizens to know their rights and defend them. And I'd also like to have an update as to how Joey's doing. Because, uh, you know, I saw those pictures of him when he was protesting. He's an adorable guy. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll take a break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with Shelly Correa, who is actually the author of the Mothers Against Wind Turbines website. And she has a personal experience, which is very different to the official studies. So stay tuned right after the break. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Well, the OUTLOUD truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. I'm back with Shelly Correa. Shelly's the author of the website Mothers Against Wind Turbines. She's gone through the mill. She's done everything, talking to premiers and politicians and appearing before tribunals to oppose wind turbines. So, Shelly, 
your son, Joey, he obviously had some trouble and you had to move him to a different location in the house, send him to a faraway school, things like that. But how's he doing now? Uh, he's doing much better now. Uh, Joey is 22 years old now. Mm -hmm. uh, he's um, gone through college and become an auto mechanic. Cool. Um, yeah, he works in Grimsby, not far away from the school that he attended and really enjoys it. Um, he doesn't have to worry too much about wind turbines anymore because he can get in his car and drive away anytime he pleases. Yeah, It's a whole new world for him. I, I'm really happy to say that uh, Joey's done well. Yeah. And Joey has also learned how important it is to fight for what, you're, uh, what you believe in, um, what your rights are. Um, he knows now he's been to demonstrations with me. He's been to government offices. He's gone through everything and he knows that uh it's important to fight for what you believe in oh yeah well otherwise it's like you don't have any rights if you don't fight for those rights right you can't just assume someone's going to do it for you now more than ever it's important to know what your rights are and when you feel that you're being abused or oppressed in any way you have to stand up mm -hmm. uh, the government has found out that the majority of people in order to smooth things over will go along with just about anything. And mm -hmm. that's a scary situation to be in. It's mm -hmm. important, even if you're afraid, it's important to stand up for the sake of those around you, your children, your neighbors, because if you don't, they're going to be even tougher on you and it'll get to the point where it's no longer even an option. That's right. You lose democracy. You lose freedom. You know, it's interesting. My two grandfathers were in World War One and my first grandfather actually wrote a book about World War One. And oh, man, it was gruesome. It was really gruesome. You know, they used to charge over the top. And, and uh, the reason I bring this up is because it shows what previous generations did to fight for freedom. They would do this old Boer War style charge, OK, which was crazy because, of course, the Germans had machine guns and they would they would kill people running across no man's land. In fact, more people died. Most people in World War One died from machine gun fire. So they eventually learned that if they just kept charging across no man's land, it was only a matter of seconds before they'd be hit and killed. So what they would do is they charge over the top. So they please their commander and then they'd find a foxhole and they would just jump into it and they'd wait until all the shelling and noise had stopped. And then they'd walk back. Well, on one occasion, they did that and they walked back. They were walking back and there was nobody around and they were really angry. They said, we were the only ones that charged, you know, him and his buddy. And they came back and they said to the CEO, they said, we got out there and there was nobody around us. What's going on? We we're the only ones that charged. And the CEO said, they're all dead. Oh, yeah. So oh. thank goodness he found a foxhole or I wouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, exactly. But, yeah. And, you know, this shows what they went through. You know, they went through incredible things. He was on a bomb squad, you know, and, and I'm, I'm taking a couple of minutes here because I think it's important that people remember what previous generations did to stand up for our freedom. When they conquered a certain German area, there were sometimes German soldiers in the and I have nothing against Germans, by the way. In fact, I, I found that Germany in many ways is the most friendly country in Europe right now. But regardless, they would go along the uh, trenches and the trenches were kind of um, like this. Eh? They were square, uh, just in little squares you can't see because it's audio radio. But uh, walking through the trenches, their job was to clear it out of Germans. OK, 
to to kill anybody who was left over. It was too hard to take prisoners, so I don't think they actually did. But they they found walking through the trenches was awful. There were bodies everywhere and blood everywhere. And, you know, it's just awful. So they would walk along the top of the trenches and it was pitch black. It was at night. And then when they somebody shot at them, they jumped down into the trench and then they progress to the next corner in the trench and they would throw a bomb over the corner and then run around and kill anybody who was left. And on one of these occasions, the somebody shot at them. And so they jumped down into the trench, but it's totally black. eh? So they couldn't see each other. There was a German rifle with a bayonet against the side of the trench. And my grandfather landed on the top of the bayonet just above his knee. And the bayonet went right up his thigh. And happily, it hit a bone or it would have gone into his organs and killed him. And he pirouetted all his weight on the bayonet and fell into the trench. And the others couldn't see what happened to him. So, But they heard him go, ah, and then dead silence. He blacked out from the pain, I guess. And so they left him for dead. They didn't even know where he was. They couldn't see anything. So he woke up, fortunately, or I wouldn't be here again. (laughs) And he found a bayonet stuck from his knee right up to his hip in his thigh. And so he had the whole group's rum supply on his back, which is fortunate. (laughs) So he consumed a lot of it and probably used it as a disinfectant and pulled the bayonet out. Okay. And tourniqueted his knee so that he wouldn't, you know, die of blood loss. And he basically got across no man's land through the barbed wire fences and everything else. And he got to a British army hospital, but by then he was delirious, you know, and they didn't know what happened. They could see this wound in his leg. And so he went into the hospital and after a few days he noticed because they kept him drunk. I don't know if they had anesthetics at all in those days, but they kept him drunk with alcohol so he wouldn't feel the pain because what they were doing is they were doing exploratory surgery on his leg trying to get out the shrapnel, which is what they thought it was. They thought it was shrapnel. Oh. And finally after a couple of days he was conscious enough that he said to them, "What the hell are you doing to my leg?" And they said, well, we're sorry, Sergeant Savage. His name was Savage. (laughs) We're sorry, Sergeant Savage. We can't find any of the shrapnel. And he said, and excuse the language for a second, okay? (laughs) Because you can imagine how he would feel after several days of them digging around for something that's not there. Uh, He said, said, there's no goddamn shrapnel in my leg. I'm getting out of here. And they said, no, no, you can't walk. And he said, the hell with you. And he got up. without you know he wasn't supposed to walk and he walked down the line to an american hospital and the americans they had a good laugh that the limeys had been you know completely misled and you know they fixed him up and he went back to england to recover before he was sent back to the trenches again but you know when you hear those stories and you realize imagine a young man 22 years old waking up in the dark lying in a trench with a bayonet stuck right up his leg his buddies have left him for dead okay i mean these kinds of hardships are incredible and yet our generation how many people will go to a town hall meeting and say oh you know i don't think there's really any climate scare i don't think there's any point in these uh wind turbines and i mean the least we can do to honor their memory you know these people and i have a picture of my grandfather right there looking at me (laughs) the least we can the least we can do is use the freedom they fought for and in many cases died for to stand up for our rights i mean surely that was a lesson i guess joey learned right 
Absolutely. And my grandfather was in World War Two. He was there for four and a half years. So wow. I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I heard a lot of stories as well. And yeah. my grandmother, being a war bride, was feisty as can be. And oh, uh, yeah. They say I got a little bit of her in me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't I can't see people like her or my grandfather. I can't see them just sitting back and taking all this woke stuff. I mean, they would just say, that's insane. That's ridiculous. Like, what? Absolutely. You know, that person's a, not a boy. He's a girl. Like, <laughs> they would just Absolutely. laugh. They would think it was totally absurd. And, well, and if I someone think, said I identify as this or identify as that, right away they would say you have mental problems. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they do. And I feel sorry yeah. for them. You Me know, Jordan Pe Jordan Peterson said something really great on this topic. He said, "Look, we used to accept that in the male population there was a range of femininity. Okay, that was normal. Sometimes Absolutely. people." Who and in the female population, there would be tomboys, okay? And they would beat the boys at basketball. But doesn't, as he said, he said, but we don't have to carve them up, you know? Exactly. Where like, did we go so wrong? Yeah, yeah. So have you had much pushback from the enviros for your activism? Not at all. Um, oh, they so they know you're brave. Around me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They go around me. They give, give, give me wide berth. They know mm -hmm. that I have uh, legitimate facts, uh, doctor's letters, uh, statistics. They don't want to talk to me. Mm. So that's a good lesson, actually, for other people opposing wind turbines. You obviously have to really inform yourself and yes. then be brave. You have to be brave enough to use your knowledge. Yes. Confidence. Have confidence in your knowledge that you've gathered. Have confidence in your ability to stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So these environmentalists, they're not Darth Vader. I mean, they're just normal people who are misguided and in some cases quite aggressive. So it sounds and like well you paid. would. Oh, yeah. Good point. You're not well paid. You're not on a contract to do this, are you? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm doing it from the heart. And that's what makes it scary. Yeah, for them. Scary for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is an interesting lesson. It, it tells us that you must stand up not only to honor the memory of our grandparents and things like that, but you also find that they're not these evil. Well, they are evil in many ways, but they're not omnipotent. They're not so powerful that you can't oppose them. No, absolutely not. And they tend to back down. If you come at them with the proper information and everything, they will back down. They, they might not give you what you want because there's people above them that won't allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. But, they will not give you a hard time. Wow. Wow. So I guess this fear is what they want to generate, but you yes. test that, you test that fear and you don't find, you're not getting death threats and things like that. Never. Absolutely mm. not. Wow. No, that's really cool. So, so the advice you'd give to others who are fighting similar battle, battles against the green energy industry overreach in their community is to, first of all, inform themselves, right? So they know what yeah. they're talking about. No, and yeah. And would you recommend they actually make groups or just do it as individuals? Definitely groups. Definitely groups. Uh, not only is there strength in numbers, everybody has things that they're good at. 
Mm-hmm. And when you all come together, this person might be good at gathering information. This person is good at sharing information. This good mate maybe has secretarial. This person's willing to travel and, and mm-hmm. go and visit politicians. Everybody comes together as a group and shares their skills, their knowledge, their resources, and you can go much farther. Yeah, exactly. So would you recommend that they f- start with writing letters to the politicians or should they go public or what do you think? Um, I would start by educating the community first and not just the rural community that's going to be affected, but the community outside the Mm -hmm. rural areas, Mm -hmm. because that's where your numbers are. Mm -hmm. And if you can get those people on your side, you can convince them that the the costs of this project are going to be far more than the benefits, then you've got a chance. Yeah. Now, don't they promise landowners certain benefits what are they promising them typically huge amounts of money (laughs) Mm. in my community i know for a fact that the farmers are given fifty thousand dollars per year per turbine on their property wow yeah well what happens when the turbines wear out i mean who looks after it then Oh, let me tell you, that is the comical part. The wind turbine has graciously told the farmers that they can keep the wind turbines when they're no longer functional. Okay. (laughs) So it's a monument to stupidity they'll have in their backyard forever. (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that delightful? Yeah. It's interesting. In Spain, they show wind stalks. It's not the turbine. The turbine's been taken off and all these stalks, massive sticks in the ground. And I guess that's the final outcome, isn't it? Yes. Like huge middle fingers telling us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a yeah, silly that's... mistake we made. Yeah. So if you look out the window right now, uh, can you tell us what you see? I see a great big wind turbine and the blades going swoosh, swoosh around. Yeah, and and I take it you it you have to bend your head down to see the top of it. Only because I have the blinds down, I could put the, oh. <laughs> I could yeah. put the blinds up, and then I wouldn't have to uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll be including in the podcast under actually in the description of this radio show some of the pictures you sent me because you know these are I mean these are amazing these machines as I said four times higher than the Statue of Liberty you know uh, in Ottawa you'd laugh they want to put up 710 industrial wind turbines taller than the Peace Tower and uh it was funny because you know the rules about it has to be 550 meters from by the way do you think that's enough is 550 meters which is current ontario regulations should it be further away from homes absolutely it it should be well the modest estimate i've heard is two kilometers Mm -hmm. Uh, five that's you know not much more than a quarter of the distance that we should have them away Mm-hmm. And when I was talking at one of the meetings about increasing the distance, one of the fellows uh, that was involved in putting the wind t- turbines in our community said that we couldn't possibly have the, uh, the distance because he wouldn't be able to fit all of the wind turbines in ah. if they did that. And that makes sense because we have 100 acre parcels of land. Mm-hmm. So if you said it was any more than 550 meters, you wouldn't be able to put them in between the farms. Mm. So that suggests that they chose that distance, not for health reasons, but because of land use. Yes, exactly. 100%. Uh Uh-huh. 
Wow. So it sounds to me like one of the things that people who are opposing wind turbines should do is push for massively expanding this distance between turbines and homes, because that would kill a lot of projects, I guess. Absolutely. And that was what uh, Mr. Rankin had said. If I am forced to have two kilometers distance between the turbines and the house, I wouldn't be able to put in the project. Who's and Mr. Rankin? And, uh, Mr. Rankin is a very wealthy businessman in our community that was putting mm-hmm. in the wind turbines. And uh, I was at a, a meeting in one of the schools and CHCH TV from Hamilton was there filming And when I had said about the distance and he said, if I did that, I wouldn't be able to put them in their community. I jumped up and down and started shouting, yes, yes, finally, (laughs) he gets it. He He says it. it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that was on the news that evening. And uh, it wasn't long after the project went in, Rankin sold all his interest in the project and moved on because the community was not happy with him. And he didn't like that. Yeah, well, that's good. That that kind of activism, I mean, it's a huge success right there, isn't it? Yes, it it was <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, it you must really feel kind bad. of you feel kind of <laughs> high for a few days after that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so at least you succeeded in that. Now, if you were estimating, I mean, obviously, we don't see any wind turbines because they're dumb from all kinds of points of view. In fact, I have a book here. I'll just pull it out. Um, I'll just find it. You can pretend that this is it. <laughs> it's called dumb energy. Okay. <laughs> and wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that wind turbines are dumb energy? <laughs> Absolutely. Not only dumb, useless, unaffordable, unreliable. There's so many things about wind turbines that just don't make sense. Yeah. And yet the left wing media have been completely, except for um, what's his name? Um, Moore. I uh, What's his first name? The uh, Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Oh, Michael Did you Moore, see? Yes. Yeah. Did you see his video, Planet of the Humans? Yes. He's he's changed his attitude drastically. Yeah. Well, it would seem to me that a left winger who was honestly concerned about environmental protection and social justice should vehemently oppose wind turbines. I mean, it's so obvious. If they were looking at it from a logical standpoint, they absolutely will. But a lot of times it's emotional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I understand there's some groups in the United States, environmental groups, who have no position on wind turbines because the conservationists who are concerned about birds and bats are against them, whereas the climate activists are for them. So the group has no position. So, I mean, I think that we should try to drive a wedge between these two groups as a strategic approach, wouldn't you say? Yes. And I think one of the things that it would be good to do would be to make it known who's being funded by the wind mm-hmm. industry. I heard that uh, the reason why uh, the Audubon Society and different uh, birding organizations are silent is because they've been paid to be silent. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's important to reveal. Now, assuming we went ahead with dumb energy, which we are doing in in a lot of cases, how far would you say they should be from a home? Uh, Well, I think it was Australia that came up with the two kilometers or more. Okay. And uh, I think at the point where you get to two kilometers, that the noise is bearable. Um, Mm. It's not going to be gone completely. And I've heard that the infrasound uh, will not be mitigated at two kilometers. And they don't know at which point it would be. Mm -hmm. It it could be up to 10 kilometers, which would mean nowhere near 
humans. So, so it would seem to me that a sensible and probably fairly easy strategy for anti-wind people who are maybe a bit too timid to bring up the climate issue should be simply to go to the microphone in public hearings and quote the fact that Australia and other places are using two kilometers. This is considered a safe distance. So we want it here. I mean, if you push that, I would think that, in fact, it would essentially end the wind projects in many areas. Wouldn't you say that would be a easy strategy for them to use? Yes, I would think so. Um, I don't see any reason why people wouldn't want to protect people's health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's no reason why even someone that says, well, we're doing this for the environment wouldn't want to make sure that people weren't going to be hurt by it. Yeah. And if they were, you would have to ask what their real intentions were. Yeah. So at this point with Joey now healthy and happy and living further away, part of your reason for doing the activism is is over and that's good. But generally speaking, are you sort of taking a little bit of a holiday? Because that must have been quite a stressful few years. Uh, well, I did take a little bit of a holiday until COVID came along. Oh, and gosh. Then I realized that uh, the globalist agenda had not slowed down. It had simply switched gears. Oh. And now we're scared into being afraid of viruses and uh, different things like that. And they're also, once we stop being afraid of viruses, they're coming back with the climate agenda full blast. We yeah. have to be prepared for that. I see. So so you think that the wind turbine, climate scare, it's all part of a, an agenda driving global control? Is that what you think is the, the motive? I would bet my life on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been well, doing research on it and everything that I see points in that direction. Mm -hmm. So people have to recognize it's not just their individual uh, problems with wind turbines. It's also part of a general agenda. And yes. um, yeah, so do you think the media are paid off too? Because of course they should be picking up on this. Uh, have you seen the video about uh, Prime Minister Trudeau bragging about the fact that the CBC is not going to say anything nasty about him because he has paid them $1.6 billion not to? No, I haven't seen that. No, that's interesting. When so I, guess I find that... that video, I will definitely send it to you. It's yeah. shocking. Wow, that's right. So this really boils down to money. It boils down to ignorance in the case of perhaps most city people about the Absolutely. problems suffered suffered in the country. And also it boils down to a globalist agenda. Now that that is really interesting. So it seems to me that if they control the world's energy, and of course they do if it's all wind and solar, because of course they only survive with government subsidies. So government becomes in charge of our energy infrastructure. They're essentially taking over the world, aren't they? Uh, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to be in charge of everything, our resources. Uh, they want to be able to control if we're allowed to travel, if we're allowed to have a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And in the case of the COVID vaccine situation, you fought that too as well, didn't you? Absolutely. Uh, Joey and I spent four days in Ottawa. <laughs> oh, yeah, at the, con at the convoy. <laughs> no, exactly how many lies are being told about the people that were there. Mm -hmm. It was the most wonderful, uplifting uh, experience that I've had in a long time. The people were there to fight for their families, to fight for their rights, to fight for their jobs, to fight for their freedom. Yeah. And instead, they were called names. They were vilified. Uh, they were abused. Some thrown in jail. Uh, Had their bank accounts beaten. frozen. Exactly. 
yeah. digital currency. Some yeah, were any... beaten by the police. An elderly woman was trampled. It was oh, yeah. absolutely atrocious. Yeah. The things that happened should never have happened. Yeah. Uh, well, our our grandfathers would, our grandparents would be very happy with these people. And you know, it's funny because they kept saying they were homophobic and uh, you know they were racist <laughs> and they were anti women. My my wife and daughters went down to the protest, and they met lots of people from all different races. You know, from women and all sorts of people. I mean, it's just totally false. And you know, you it laugh, does. Shelley. Just one quick little story. I went to the, uh, just to see what was going on, I went to their depot, which was at the baseball diamond. And uh, it was very friendly. You know, they invited me into their tent to show what was going on and things like that. And shortly after my daughter and I left, the, the SWAT team came in. They had snipers on the roof of the hotels. This was such a dangerous group. And I thought, what? Like, we were just there. Uh, like, <laughs> gosh. it was ridiculous. All it yeah. was is because they embarrassed Trudeau. Mm. They embarrassed him. Yeah. He did not like that. He yeah. had to hide. Well, we have to wrap up, unfortunately, but good luck in your future endeavors. It sounds like you've had some successes and certainly a lot of lessons that our listeners can take to their communities. The biggest one being learn your facts and stand up and be brave. We have to honor our grandparents in that way, actually use our freedom to defend our freedom. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, well, thanks for being on my show today, Shelley. Thank you very much, Tom. It was a pleasure. Well, this is Tom Harris signing out from the other side of the story.